Welcome back guys to another episode of the Genesis Blog podcast. Today we're analyzing um our next web3 protocol. Um today we have Ocean protocol um that Siddharth has uh you know gone ahead and taken the lead, lead in researching and now he's going to present it to all of us. Uh post which then Yash and I will come in with questions to you know further understand um and just you know brainstorm on where the what this protocol is doing what it's trying to achieve and where it can go in the future and its position you know and its place and its value add in the crypto ecosystem so with that siddharth over to you let's begin cheers sir thanks for that um so hey everyone so today we're going to go through ocean protocol which is a decentralized data exchange and uh, what it does is that it aims to bring together data providers consumers and uh, service providers into a data marketplace So what what exactly does is Ocean Protocol and what does it do, right? So um, Ocean Protocol allows, let's say that you're a provider of data. Let's say you have a data set, um, and um, so let's say Sid has a data set, and Yash wants to use that data set, let's say, to build out um, his AI algorithm um, to to essentially refine the algorithm and and um, for 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 machine learning purposes right depends on the type of data set but but sid has a data set and yash wants it what ocean protocol does it is that it allows yash and sid to meet up in a marketplace and allows them to uh, allows one of them to sell their data and the other one to consume the data um what it also does is in the middle it provides tools for service providers developers to build uh, value added services and other uh, marketplaces on top of the data assets that are created uh, on the protocol so uh, in terms of the web3 value stack uh, like we discussed you know in how to uh, analyze a, a web3 protocol the the first investment template uh, uh, podcast that we did um ocean protocol can both be seen as an infrastructure play and as an exchange because it essentially provides the infrastructure for the creation and consumption of data assets while it also provide is is an exchange in terms of actually being a decentralized exchange uh, geared towards data right um so before we go in into exactly how ocean protocol works um, some key facts are that it's built on ethereum and any evm compatible network um and as we know you know um many layer one blockchains are evm compatible um so uh, such as polkadot so polkadot got moonbeam uh, binance smart chain uh near protocols got aurora cosmos has evmos uh, phantom opera and avalanche they're all evm compatible chains so that shows you that ocean protocol today is able to be deployed on some of the largest l1s uh out there that means that its total addressable market is pretty high and in the future it's planning um on being multi-chain so that means that it's its total addressable market could be even higher in the future um so that's a that's a pretty positive sign if you're confident that the future is going to be multi-chain and um and i think that i at least am so it's a positive development for me um and to date um oceans raised about 30.83 million dollars over its seed pre-launch network launch and initial exchange offering um it's got some pretty reputable vcs backing it such as digital currency group so that's the one behind the grayscale bitcoin trust um gbtc 
um, you know, some people like uh, Fabric Ventures, uh, Synapse Capital, Merkle Tree Capital, um, you know, quite a lot of uh, different VCs that are supporting Ocean Protocol. Um, and the level of funding that it's raised is about medium um, to high. I mean, considering that the protocol launched in uh, Q1 2019, that was when the network launch occurred. Um, it means that uh, it, it's raised a decent amount of money. And, um, you know, it's it, 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 with, with the VCs backing it, that provides some level of comfort, although obviously that's not a, a silver bullet like we've mentioned in the past. I mean, a, a reputable VC backing you um, is takes you only as far as you trust the reputation of the VC, right? Um, and and that can collapse pretty quickly, like three arrows capital. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, um, we've, uh, so yeah, so th those are some uh, important points about Ocean Protocol and, you know, um, the the essentially the, the backing behind it and um and and you know like where it's going to be built now let's let's get into the meat of it right so how does ocean protocol actually work so um i'm just going to pull up a diagram um or or a, a flowchart that i that i created to try and explain this a little better um and we'll be sharing this in the in newsletter article that we do um as well but essentially um uh, what ocean protocol has is um, it has two types of two main types of tokens. So it has a data NFT. So a data NFT is an, a non-fungible ERC seven twenty one token, which represents copyright and ownership of that data set. And a data token is a fungible ERC twenty token that grants data consumers access to that data. So um, uh, like for example, let's say that uh, Sid owns the Sid, Sid owns the data set, right? he can then uh, upload this data set onto the onto ocean protocol and they're very flexible in the types of data that they allow for which we'll touch on in a bit um but he uploads this data onto uh, ocean protocol and he is and a data nft is minted that shows that he is the owner of that data so he is the only one that has access to that data so i can't see it yash can't see it no one can see it but but what sid has access to a data nft that proves ownership of his data now with that um uh with that data uh nft there are data tokens also minted um the way in which these data tokens are minted has, has changed in the uh in the last few months but data tokens are minted that allow data consumers to access that data service um so essentially let's say that yash wants to access the uh, access sids data set right um yash will have to pay sid in ocean tokens to obtain access to that data token now once he has that data token he can redeem it for access to that data for um, any time any any um, specified amount of time that that sid is specified right so um, the access controls are pretty um, are fine grained essentially so you can con you can configure how long the access um, for yash actually lasts for so um, one data token for a data service grants access to that service. So what Ocean actually does here, as you can see in the diagram, is that it, it does two things. It uh, cre creates the data assets and it facilitates the consumption of those data assets. And in the middle, it provides the tools for anyone to build ERC-20 based applications on top of that data. So like you can see in this um, here, right? Like for, for example, there are a number of different entities 
that are building tools and services on top of these data assets. So where these data assets can be used differently, right? They can be used in a variety of different ways. So um, this felt token, for example, is uh, is one that won a grant from Ocean Dow. Um, and we'll get into again the details of what Ocean Dow is is later in its grants program. But essentially, it won a grant from Ocean Dow to create this felt token service on top of those data assets that are created by Ocean Protocol. Um, so you know, there's it's creating a solution for federated learning, um, and data providers are being anonymized. Or Athena Equity is a it's a data brokerage that's. Um, that's essentially trying to build a data verification layer for ESG and is using these data sets that are on ocean protocol in order to be able to do this. Right. Um, and like, like, for example, let's say that uh, I am a data consumer and I go on to Athena equities DAP, and um, I say, Oh, you know, I want to verify this ESG data. Um, you know, how, or I want, I want ESG data that is actually verified. I want, I want to know, um, you know, what, which of this data, is, uh, you know, for some purposes, right. And I can go on to Athena equity and they provide me that service that is built on top of the data assets provided by ocean protocol in order to be able to verify that ESG data. Right. So, um, these value added services, they do, they, they provide for, um, is, is they essentially allow the ocean protocol ecosystem to branch out um, and uh, and essentially provide many different types of services for, for different types of consumers. Um, so yeah, like for example, again, the last one would be, you know, just this EMR chain, um, which, is, uh, which is an application that's built towards, um, you know, uh, allowing patients control of their health data. So, um, so like, let's say I'm a, let's say I am a patient and I go onto this EMR chain and um, I can then upload my um, data assets that I've created on, um, that I've created on ocean protocol to EMR chain and, uh, and essentially be able to, um, you know, be able to choose when, when that data is being accessed and by whom. Um, right. So essentially the, these value added services just, just provide a lot of depth. Um, to the ocean ecosystem. So um, essentially, ocean offers a lot of flexibility for data publishers and consumers. Um, it supports both static and dynamic data. Um, so static data such as you know, Web2 cloud services like AWS or um, Web3 services like Filecoin or Arweave. And um, for dynamic data, it's um, streaming APIs from Web2, um, Web2 streaming APIs or public data oracles like Chainlink, private data oracles um, like Deco. So um, it, it, as you can see, you know, it supports a variety of different types of, um, of data. <clears throat> I'm just gonna stop sharing this now. Um, but yeah, it's, it supports a, a, a bunch of different types of data, right? Um, it also allows for the sharing of private data through its computer data service, which is actually very useful. Um, because let's say that uh, I'm, I'm building an AI um, algorithm that, that you know, depends on data sets that are, that are usually uh, privately held and, and, and you know, contain confidential data. Now, someone who owns that type of confidential data usually wouldn't want to give it out. Um, but in this case, Ocean Protocol's computer data service allows that data, that private data to be hosted um, on premise of the data, uh, the, the, within the data publishers, um, you know, uh, premises, essentially it, 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 and it means that let's as an AI, um, as uh, let's say that I'm building an algorithm, um, 
I can access that data and run compute jobs in it, which essentially means that I can get the results from the data without having to see what the data actually is. Um, and without the data publisher having, having to, to, to actually reveal the confidential information that's there. So my algorithm can access that data, get trained from it um, without having to actually see that data set in person, right? Um, and that's a pretty useful uh, capability to have considering the vast amount of private and confidential data that, that is there and the, and the benefit that it would have for AI algorithms uh, to be able to access that data and learn from it. So that's a, that's quite a lot of flexibility for both data publishers and consumers. Um, thirdly, Ocean also allows uh, publishers freedom in choosing where to host their data. So they can hold, hold their data set in uh, Web2 cloud services like Google Drive or uh, AWS or Dropbox or something. They can store it locally on their phones or servers. Um, or, you know, they can have, um, instead of having a publicly hosted file um, that can be accessed by data consumers, they can have the computer data uh, service, like I just mentioned. And lastly, um, one of the most important aspects of, uh, and the reason why they have data tokens, rather than allowing for the data sets to be paid for in Ocean, is because of the fine-grained access permissions or access controls that they provide with, for uh, for the uh, you know for the service data services that they provide. Um, so the level of access to a particular data set is completely configurable, and uh, and you know you can you can essentially code each data token um, for each data set to represent those different levels of access uh, so that the access can be perpetual. So, you know, a data token can maybe indefinitely access the data service. Um, it can be time bound. So you can access it only for an hour a day, like within a specific time period, you know, and uh, or it can be one time. So after the service is accessed, the token is burned. Um, and it also allows uh, data publishers to create allow or deny lists. So um, you know you can you can only access the service. Let's say if you're um, if you're on an allow list and you have uh, and you have that data token, or even if you have a data token, but if you're on the publisher's deny list for maybe being a malicious actor in the past, then you can't access that data token. Uh, sorry, that data service. Right. Um, so these fine-grained access controls are primarily the reason why there are data tokens for each um, for each data uh, data set or data service provided. Um, but you know, like I'll, I'll just stop here for a couple of minutes, just so that because I've gone over quite a lot of difficult um, information, and see if you guys have any questions about how <clears throat> Ocean Protocol actually works. So I think we should just break it down with like a very simple example. So I think something that everything, everyone will be able to resonate with is maybe the healthcare data example. So mm -hmm. can you just like walk up? So let's like, let's say I'm, you know, I'm a patient and I have lots of healthcare data about myself, you know, my whole history, my medical history, and I want to somehow monetize it. So what do I do? Like step-by-step, step, how do I go from having this data to having it uploaded okay. to this blockchain? Yeah. So I have, uh, so let's say I have this data, uh, this um, healthcare data that I want to monetize. Um, I've stored it in my Google Drive maybe, right? Or, or let's yeah. say, yeah, I've stored it in my Google Drive. Um, I go on to Ocean Protocol and I submit that data set. And then a data NFT is created that represents my ownership of that data. So it says, okay, this data okay. set, this data NFT was minted for this data set held in okay. this Google Drive folder by, um, you know, by Sid. 
and um and then i it, like i I'll, i'll go i'll you know the process has changed slightly um around the way the data tokens have been uh, are issued and i'll go into that later on um but but just consider that okay now i have this data nft and i also get um you know a th- a million data tokens right so i am the data publisher i have a million data tokens and um and uh, you know these do- data tokens grant people who want access to my data um you know they grant them access to it so let's say that um you know uh, yash you want access to this data um and you go on to ocean protocol you on to ocean market right um you list uh, you, you you connect to it using your wallet and you have ocean tokens in your wallet now i'll go into th- and the the next thing after you know we do the questions i'll go into how the pricing models work um and um, but but essentially there are two types of pricing models there's fixed pricing and there's an uh, automated market maker model right so let's just for simplicity assume that it's a fixed price for now um, we'll go into the details of the amm um, in a second so um, let's say that you go on to this ocean market and you uh, uh-huh. see the price of this data set so let's say that it's like 20 ocean um right and uh, you then just send you, you click on that you send me the uh, ocean to my Uh, to my wallet right by just like click, uh, clicking purchase and then you obtain that data token so in return for your ocean i give you one data token now you use that data token on ocean on ocean protocol to be able to access that service, uh, to to be able to access that data set so let so the that data token just serves as proof that you know you are able it's a better instrument that allows you to access that data right um so like depending on the access control so let's say that it's indefinite access right so it's you can you know it's it's in indefinite access so you just hold that data token and you can access my data um, my healthcare data indefinitely so you can use that data to train your ai algorithm so now you have access to that data indefinitely um right and um and yeah like that's essentially uh, how that would work but you know if i explain that correctly or is there any other details okay. let me just about? try to explain it and you tell me if i'm right or not yeah so basically i'm a data provider so i'm going to provide my healthcare data it's in my google drive mm-hmm. so i go to ocean protocol and i create a data nft that links to the data in my google drive right and this this google drive data can be like you said stored in multiple places it could be on AWS it could be on like you know web3 storage like are we even filecoin yeah, but the yeah. nft just links to this data no matter where yeah. it's stored you can yeah, choose yeah. where you store it and then you get to create some data tokens of your data nft right and then if anyone wants to access your data they basically exchange ocean tokens for your data tokens yeah. and the data tokens give access to the data set yeah You got it. Yeah. Okay. That That's was much cool. better. Yeah. <laughs> you explained. Yeah. That was that was much simpler than mine. Yeah. Okay. Just get too lost in detail, but yeah, exactly. That's how it works. Cool. Cool. Um. Any other questions, Sid? Anything? Um. Yeah. If you can just elaborate on, um, you know how ocean is being used as a um as a base layer to build, you know, uh, um, value-added services essentially. um can you just elaborate on how exactly that looks because i i know we went through a couple examples but where i'm getting stuck is the dapps that are that build on ocean they would in my mind get access to the same data the same raw data as any other any, any data consumer would uh, who would go to ocean, the ocean marketplace yeah. directly so it, yeah 
does the DAP value add is is that limited to say a UI UX improvement um, or say an aggregation of certain relevant data? So one like a large cohort of customers would just go to that other DAP as opposed to coming to the marketplace. Or is there something else that you know these DAPs I, do? Yeah. So I think that it's the latter. Um, and uh, and essentially right. So they get access to the same raw data, but it's not it's not about the data services is consuming that data. It's uh, it's about providing an easier way for data consumers to actually access specific types of data is, is what I understand from, from how the, uh, the, the data services operate. Right. So in terms of, um, you know, this Athena equity, right. Like, um, the, the one that I described, uh, described first, um, it's a data brokerage that's aiming to drive inflows of data and data sets to the ocean platform, right. Uh, and build a data verification layer for ESG. Now that sounds super complicated, but what it essentially does is that it incentivizes people who have specific types of data to list their data on Ocean Marketplace. And then they, uh, through Athena Equity, they can have a front end, um, a, a clean front end to be able to access and filter through data sets of that particular type. Now, if you now just like okay. zoom out and think about the different types of data sets that can exist, right? There can be millions, there can be billions of different types of data sets that data sets that exist. And trying to filter through that and search through that is a is it's a thankless and impossible task, right? Um, so these value added services they essentially allow you to create, um, you know, <clears throat> shop windows. You can create shop windows um, that, uh, that that all have different types of uh, data sets that are curated for different types of use cases. That's in a nutshell how I would put it. Got it. Okay. Got it. Which is fair. I mean, UI UX uh, for, I mean, as we were talking offline as well is a big uh, hindrance. And like you mentioned, millions of data sets would be quite unhappy. Um, so, and just secondly, what I wanted to touch upon was the initial plan of going multi-chain. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I mean, the classic, classic drawback of that is siloing the liquidity. Um, and of course, you know, you can say cross chain bridges and whatnot, uh, in the future, but is there any other angle to it on, on how they so, for the siloing of the liquidity? So I think that like at this point in, and this is a general broader point about blockchains as well, um, and about these layer one platforms, but at some point to actually be able to use by consumers. Um, we're going to have to stop thinking about, oh, you know, this is built on Solana or this is built on Phantom or this is built on this blockchain. Like that doesn't matter to anyone, right? Like in, in web two, you don't see, oh, Gmail built by, built on AWS cloud or like, yeah. sorry, like Google cloud, right? Like no one cares about what service it's actually built on. Um, so the, the reasons for building on different blockchains might be, you know, uh, they might be they might be varied in terms of like the technical architecture, but um, but essentially in the future um, you're going to have to make sure that there's no there's no uh, fragmentation of liquidity across these uh, across these blockchains. So that's firstly the case. Secondly, actually, I don't think the liquidity will be really fragmented because um, because the thing uh, because the thing is that each data token is meant to have its own liquidity. Right. So you're supposed to have liquidity for each data set. Now I'm going to go, go into this a little bit later during the uh, tokenomics aspect of this. And actually like right when I'm explaining the AMM thing, but uh, it, it, that actually doesn't make sense to me right now as well for each data token to have its own liquidity. That's a, it's a, it's, I think it's a bit of a flaw because you need to have deep liquidity for each data asset. And that's not really going to be possible from consumers. And also the entire idea of consumer staking to, you know, um, 
uh, to, to signal the quality of a data set when you're doing that at scale people don't actually do that like it's not going to be that as straightforward as it sounds um so currently i i think even today the model of um you know providing liquidity for each data set is a bit is a bit flawed because that does fragment it firstly it fragments liquidity and secondly it's 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 more difficult to i think it's a little more difficult to value that data because it's not very easy for you know stakeholders to actually understand which data set is um you know the most valuable you're not going to have a billion people who are able to do this at scale um so i think that that's a a bit of a flaw um but yeah i mean i don't think that in the future if they go multi chain and they solve this you know um data set uh liquidity problem this this individual data set liquidity problem um if they go multi chain then at that point there's there's no way that all of these chains should not be interoperable and invisible to the customer um but and if they aren't then that is a significant flaw right like you're not you're trying to you you you're fragmenting liquidity you're just confusing customers and it's not going to work out in driving traction to your platform yep understand yeah um cool so i'll just go so you know been been teasing the amm aspect of this for a for a sure. little bit so i'll just go into it a uh, in, into it now um so yeah ocean uses two methods of pricing data so it's um, fixed pricing and automated market makers um so fixed pricing is pretty straightforward right so uh data publishers set a price in ocean for their data set and consumers buy access to that data set using ocean and they receive data tokens in return right um and that's the model that we explained earlier on as well now the amm model is pretty interesting um so ocean market uses balancer as the uh, inspiration for its uh, amm model um so each each data asset right each data service that's provided contains a data token paired with a base asset like ocean eth or dai now it's interesting that they've put in eth and dai um those aren't the defaults ocean is the default and that you know in terms of aiming to drive usage of ocean that makes sense um so um you know it's it's meant to drive usage and usage of and demand for the the ocean token um they chose balancer as the uh the amm model for two reasons um balancer firstly enables the addition of liquidity only through a single token so most amms don't actually allow that so so when the data set is published right um and this used to be the case now it's actually not now they they've actually changed the process a little bit um but when the data set was initially published in in v3 of the of the protocol let's say the data publisher got access to all the data tokens and therefore they were the only source of liquidity on that on that platform right so because usually when you're providing liquidity in an amm you need to have 50% of um a base asset and 50% of the asset that you're providing liquidity for now um if only the data publisher has the data tokens then how is a liquidity provider going to get access to those data tokens so what balancer allows for is that um the data uh, consume the data uh, the publisher um holds the uh, ho holds all of the data tokens but the liquidity provider can only provide the base token so they can only provide ocean they can only provide eth or they can only provide dai um and that allows them to earn you know fees in ocean like network rewards in ocean um for you know um essentially providing liquidity to that data set right um and um and and you know the entire the entire point of this is to be able to bootstrap liquidity quickly for um you know 
a long tail asset and a, a, a specific one data asset is definitely a long tail asset right um so um and 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 what balancer also does is that it allows for non equal weights in a, a pool so uh, so usually like you have 50% of um, you know token a and 50% of token b but what balancer allows for is 90% weight towards the data token and 10% weight towards ocean right so that means that in that pool if you have 90% data tokens you need only 10% ocean um, to be able to um, uh, to to be able to create an initial data token price um, and that allows you to uh, bootstrap liquidity to your token uh, faster because um, you don't need a higher upfront capital requirement right you don't need to put 50% ocean for 50% of the um, of the data token um you can actually you know um uh, only you only need to provide one fifth of the um initial ocean liquidity um for the initial data token price now i know that this is a bit confusing um and i honestly it's 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 a bit difficult for me to understand as well um but 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 in a nutshell what it does is that ocean li liquidity providers don't need to provide as much liquidity initially to set the initial data token price um that is at the base layer of like how to understand this um i think that understanding exactly how the weights counterbalance the um you know the 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 necessity for providing too much liquidity um that's part of the balancer model i haven't gone fully into detail around how that works mathematically um but uh, but, but essentially that's a feature of the balancer pools that ocean wanted to import um i'm going to stop you actually just because i know that you guys might have a have a question or two about that um and then i'll continue on because this is a pretty complicated concept <clears throat> okay so i guess i'll go first so in the fixed price model which is what we had discussed earlier you have your data you create the data nft and mm -hmm. from that data nft you, you you create and get to decide your how many data tokens you want and yeah. then and then you can in the fixed price model your someone or a data consumer can pay you in ocean or eth or dai is yeah. that how it works? you can pay in all three for your data and you get to set the price yeah and you know in the amm model you instead of instead of it being a fixed rate you put it into a liquidity pool right so there will be a liquidity pool and that will have your data tokens and it will have if i'm getting it correct it will have ocean eth and dai or or dai of the three Oh, so it'll have just it'll just have the tokens and one of the three. Yeah. Okay. So you'll have you know your your data tokens paired with um either ocean or eth or die in a liquidity pool, and the ratio of that can be whatever you want it to be because it's built on balancer where you can it doesn't have to be in a fifty fifty ratio. Yeah. And then according to your ratio and the liquidity of both the tokens, the price is set for that particular liquidity pool. yeah and that's essentially how it works and then any anyone who's a data consumer can use that liquidity pool to get access to the data yeah right so they can, it's a, it becomes like a dex and i can just go and swap the same way i could in the exactly. fixed price model but from a liquidity pool instead of directly exactly from the provider because okay. because it allows for more organic price discovery right like an amm model compared yeah. to like a fixed price model it allows for more organic price discovery um theoretically at least the only thing i don't get is by bringing in eth and dai into the equation firstly it seems like they're fragmenting the liquidity and secondly 
it makes the ocean token seem kind of irrelevant because if you don't need the ocean token to get access to the data tokens then what's the point right yeah like, so I, I other than I, just rewards yeah. for providing liquidity no i completely agree honestly like the value proposition throughout this entire exercise where i've researched ocean protocol and gone into depth i think that's one of the most glaring um it's one of the most glaring problems i don't actually see a need for the ocean token um in order to be able to pay for these data assets like i yeah. i think that um what what this what ocean protocol actually needs to do in order to be able to increase their usage is make it simpler it, they need to do what everyone yeah. in web3 doesn't do which is just bear it take it down to its to its essentials right why do you need the ocean ocean token if you're coming out at the end of the day and going like oh you don't actually need the ocean token to be able to do these things and you can do it in a stable coin that just allows for easier um understanding by customers firstly uh, by data <clears throat> consumers and it also allows for easier pricing of the data intuitively you can it's much better to know you know this data set costs you know 0.23 dai rather than 0.23 ocean because you have no idea how much ocean costs in uh, ocean costs and firstly you're going to have to do the initial transaction of exchanging your eth or your ocean or whatever so your eth or your dai or whatever for ocean which is already a, a step uh, which is already a step that in, introduces friction into the um, into the equation right so yeah. i think that fundamentally i agree i don't really see a need for the ocean token to be able to transact in this model i think if you could drive value to the ocean token by making it the only token you can use to access the data token jai right? because then there is some incentive for data consumers to actually go and buy and hold the ocean token because then you can use that token to access the data sets that have been built on this platform but then again this is the yeah. problem with web3 where there, where everyone goes like everyone needs to use my own token and then yeah. you just create com- complexity and friction for customers i mean yeah. why can't you just Absolutely. like even regardless of that right like they want to like what what is their end goal they want to create a data marketplace for data assets not drive up the value of ocean token the end goal is to actually allow data to become a liquid asset right so if the end goal is that then why don't you do the things that's that's the simplest for that which is essentially create uh, a a a system in which you're using stable coins to be to to be able to pay for these things because it's much easier to obtain stable coins if i was able but to pay for this in usdc question is then how do the team and the investors make money i mean i mean they you, are you all going to be allocated ocean tokens right? you can still make money in stables from transaction fees right because like you have transaction fees in the in that dex or you have transaction fees from like the fixed price um model in which you're still getting a cut of the you know every time that data is transacted or something like that that's very monetizable it's not yeah. like just because it's in the ocean token that's the only way to monetize something you're going right. to get the returns back in dollars or like pounds or whatever your stable coin is um right so you're still going to get yeah. the, get access to the transaction fees just because they're not paid in ocean doesn't mean they're valueless good sorry Yeah. and also one more reason why i feel even pricing the uh, everything like forcefully pricing everything ocean won't release you know have that value accrual um effect is because you know that that people will just buy ocean and sell it immediately yeah like they, yeah. they won't be incentivized to hold it at all exactly uh, like and now like i'll come to that in the um economics aspect but they've as with everyone else tried to join the bandwagon and start a v token model um so you know 
it's just uh, it's just, I, i think the the tokenomics of this protocol are the ideas i think the idea is brilliant i think that the way they've constructed it is is brilliant um i think that like as we'll see in a bit the tokenomics leaves a lot to be desired and so does the governance um and those are two aspects that are huge you know um and and honestly like they they could be done a lot better they, they these things just need to be simplified um but anyway like i think we can get to that in a bit um <clears throat> what i'll i'll just like continue on with explaining how the amm model works right and uh, and and essentially like how ocean works in in um uh, in in full so um with the amm model right so the it's it's meant to allow for organic price discovery um and uh, yeah lps will stake ocean by adding liquidity to a data token um and ocean pool and they'll earn a cut of transaction fees from the pool in proportion to their stake so similar to a regular amm um and what the what, what's meant to be the case is that if you're staking a particular data set your it's a pointer towards the quality of that data set because if it's a high quality data set and it's used multiple times that means the transaction fees that it garners are higher right and so that means the transaction fees that you get as a staker to that data set are higher so it's meant to be an organic uh, pointer towards the quality of a of a data set which i think i actually agree with um because i think that that makes sense but the problem is that that might not make sense at scale if you have millions of data sets because it's very difficult to filter out for quality um for individual stakers at that level of scale um so that's a pretty that i i think that's a point that definitely needs to be figured out so now what i what i was alluding to is that the way that ocean uh, v4 actually works is that um they they try to solve the rug pull problem that previous iterations of the protocol faced so like what used to happen was that um, because the data the publisher had access to all of the data tokens um they used to they put in you know um let's say uh, they put in a thousand data tokens and a thousand ocean um and then like another uh, and a liquidity provider comes in and adds ocean to that pool then the data token owner can then just rug pull the entire uh the tokens by like with withdrawing the entire token liquidity the data token liquidity from that pool and they can get essentially what what comes out with if you look at the math is that uh, if you try to model out the math is that the data token provider gets left with more ocean than they initially put in plus the same amount of data tokens while the liquidity provider gets rug pulled and they get left with lesser ocean than they actually provided so um the I, like i don't want to go over the math right now because that that that's just a long enough example but um but but essentially that that's what used to be the case in ocean v3 etc right so now ocean v4 has actually solved that and i think they've done that pretty well actually um it means that the data publishers don't get their data tokens all at once um so the the pool auto controls data token supply so um, whenever someone stakes ocean into a pool the the uh, correct amount of data tokens are just minted um uh, according to the weights selected in that pool right um so let's say that someone stakes the, uh, like you know 10 ocean and the weightage is like um you know 90% uh, data token 10% ocean so someone stakes 10 ocean um you get 90 data tokens for that um right so that and the pool just controls the minting of the of the data token into that pool um so that's much better than the data publisher getting the having the ability to just control the entire supply all at once um so i think that that's a pretty innovative way of um of solving this issue and they are yeah. also you know um trying they they are keeping the they also allow the data token price to be kept stable um so i think that they've done that pretty well um 
then a couple of other things right so um i i'm just going to talk a little bit about the uh, like we've discussed the fragility of oceans emm model but before that let's just go through you know what the um, ocean ocean market also has a uh, purgatory process so if there's ip violations and sensitive data that's been uploaded onto the platform by people who are not um in control of that data or who are not authorized to upload that data um the ocean market purgatory process um is uh, it it points towards a process where there's a formal request for takedown that's submitted um by you know an entity that claims that this there's that sensitive data has been uploaded or um you know um uh, or, or data that's not owned by uh, the the pub publishers uploaded um they can formally request a takedown of that data um and the data asset then enters purgatory until the investigation is done so it can't really be sold or anything like that in that in that time period um and then if it meets specific conditions um uh then it can revert back to uh, default essentially so it'll move out of purgatory and um these specific conditions can uh, are are instituted by ocean market um so i think that that purgatory process is also a good idea they've thought this thought is through because data violations data privacy sensitive data um you know all of that is huge and you do need to account for it now it remains to be seen how scalable and effective this data this um ocean market purgatory process actually ends up being but the but the very fact that they've thought about the idea and and implemented it to a certain level is a good sign um and now in terms of the amm model right uh while oceans amm model it innovatively attempts to solve the pricing problem for data um and allows publishers to evade the question and it's a very difficult question of how much is my data actually worth uh in practical terms it seems to be unfeasible especially at scale um so you know like i said with millions of data sets you need deep liquidity for all of them to accurately price the data tokens and not suffer from high slippage uh because if you don't have enough liquidity in the pool and then you're trying to price all these data tokens individually for different data sets then you're going to have huge slippage because there's going to be a massively fragmented liquidity across the pools because there's not going to be enough stakers at least from what i think is feasible there's not going to be enough stakers who are actually going to be able to stake in all pools um and you're essentially assuming that everyone in the world will own own ocean tokens and then stake towards the quality of a data set to be able to assume that there'll be accurate and low slippage um pools um you know with millions of different data sets so this entire model of having one data set have its own pool is fundamentally flawed to me um so um even though you know uh, price discovery for fixed pricing is not as authentic right um as in an amm model it's like it's just it might be firstly more user friendly and intuitive to actually price your data in a fixed manner um and like a user doesn't and and you know like just put yourself in the shoes of a data consumer they don't care about you know slippage or like they just over you know like oh how the to, uh, you know how they get access to their data this is all stuff that web3 people care about the data consumer doesn't care about that they just want access to their data so it's much more intuitive for them to use a fixed price model where they can just access the data right um so the, the amm model fundamentally doesn't make as uh, as much sense to me now um what i think could might be a better middle ground is to combine a bid auction model with a fixed price model to uh, to essentially have both uh good price discovery combined with ease of use for the customer so what you could do is that first for the first time a data set is introduced you have a auction, uh, i have a bid auction model 
um that people bid for that data set now that price at which the highest bid wins remains the fixed price for x amount of time let's say 3 months and then after that to update reflected uh, to, to reflect um you know um updated demand in the marketplace um for that data set you can have a bid auction model for that data set every 3 months or you know how much however much time the data publisher chooses for so you can continuously update the fixed price of that um of that data set so what it does is it kind of balances between ease of use for the user and um and you know between wanting to get the price discovery of that data set correct um and i think that that's a much more scalable model as well and it's much easier to use for the customer but you know um the, it does bring up a question in that if the amm model is not successful um uh, how will you know the ocean token generate fees and how will the token accrue value and that brings us to back to the point which we were talking about earlier which is the ocean token doesn't necessarily have a use case here it it doesn't yeah. necessarily need to accrue value in this manner if the end goal is to create a liquid data marketplace then you don't need the ocean token it might actually be easier to do it without the ocean token um but interested to hear your guys thoughts on on what i've just said here <clears throat> um yeah it seems like they're doing a lot of crypto things just for the sake of doing crypto things like and they haven't thought through the entire start to finish you know what the token will do and it seems like they're constantly changing their mind on how they want the token to accrue value and it seems like they need the token to accrue value somehow for them to monetize it exactly. according to them because they probably i mean i don't know the tokenomics exactly and the distribution but i'm guessing they are getting a significant percentage of the distribution of the ocean token right so actually no the team the I'll go over this. If not, later. then yeah. then I'm then I'm lost as to what their game plan is. Yeah, I don't. But, I, yeah. I just think that they're cryptofying this too much. I think that this is a yeah. word that needs to be created. By the way, cryptofying it, but like, um, yeah, I think that they're making this way too Web three specific. It doesn't need to be. Like, just simplify yeah. it. Get it down to first principles. What do you want to do? You want to create a data marketplace. How do you do it best? You don't do it best by creating complexity for data consumers. You do yeah. it best by creating a a, a a tight UX that is just easy to use. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I going from like, doing this, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. So I was just gonna say that you know, AMMs and V tokenomics. It just it sounds great, but I don't see how it applies over here at all, right? Like, yeah. why do you need it to be so complex when you're trying to do a very simple transaction? Exactly. I mean, you're not trying to provide deep deep liquidity for stable coins, and you know, there's no wars that are going to happen over here yeah. token if it doesn't exactly. make sense in the first place. it's I yeah think, i think what they i think i mean just to try to put ourselves in their shoes i think what they've done or what has happened is they've used you know tokenization as um as you know as as a method to bootstrap users as all of you know all the protocols are doing but by doing so they've lost sight of what their actual product is um and have found themselves in you know the exact contradiction that we were pointing out right now I yeah and yeah. and i think that like actually they've used tokenization really well in terms of the data nft and the data assets uh, so the data tokens because yeah. i think that that's a amazing use of tokenization right yeah. you're trying to create a, a marketplace for assets that there is no marketplace for right now you're allowing for copyright for the, for data sets to be captured in nfts which is a fantastic idea which is what nfts should be used for and you're cap and you're creating um you know these data tokens which have fine grained access control permissions for that data set to be used in ai models that is the crux of this application that's what it should be yeah. geared towards 
it shouldn't be geared towards pumping up the value of its own token um i mean i don't want to be too harsh here because i think that their core idea is fantastic and i think that like you know um and we'll go into this in a second but i think that the team also um the people behind this are they have a lot of heft behind them right um i i i am i'm like i mean i'm a big fan of the the idea itself just the execution in terms of the webification of cryptification of this is just put it's just rubbed me up the wrong way a little bit yeah. um, i think you know founders and you know investors need to have more faith in the protocol's ability to generate value in stable coins or you know in currency that you know users can just go and spend they don't always need to rely on a token to you know you know pump up the price and then that's how they make their money by exiting that token it can be a more gradual generation of value where you know organically they keep owning money and it keeps as the network grows more people will spend in stables and you will get a cut of those stables it can be as simple as that it doesn't exactly. need to be so complicated exactly what's ironic is you know like a good way to distinguish between all those you know complete ponzi projects and and actual projects is you know if you just hypothetically assume that the project doesn't have a token um does it actually provide value and most projects don't if you remove the token they have zero value add this yeah, project, yeah. ironically if you remove yeah. it has a bunch of value add yeah <laughs> exactly you know exactly i want to i want to i want to go to ocean and tell them guys like you could have the best product in in like web3 um if you tried and like stop if you stop making it so web3 um and i don't want to say web3 in a bad way because i love this space for all the faults that it has because of the promise that it has you know but um, there's some stuff that we just need to strip away at um and yeah, and yeah. this is one of them but anyway let's um, let let's continue on um so just yeah yeah let's let's talk about like the um you know just just before like the roadmap i'll just like quickly go through the 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 main trend that's behind oceans um emergence and that's basically the growth of ai across every single industry across the world right um because a good ai models need good data good clean data and it's very difficult for them to obtain that um and uh, you know the big data market is growing exponentially it's expected to be around 230 billion dollars by 2025 um and uh, you know like ai is permeated through every aspect of our lives at this point um and uh, and and you know essentially having quality varied data um that allows for ai biases to be smoothed out while also training ai algorithms in a bunch of different ways i mean the use cases the 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 necessity for something like ocean is pretty obvious to me right so that's that's essentially what the the high level trend um around uh, around the emergence of ocean is but in terms of um their launch and use cases and and all of that right um uh, and and the future roadmap um now firstly ocean's network launch took place in q1 2019 um so its seed and pre-launch stages had 3 and 1500 contributors from across 100 countries which is quite a lot um some uh, key stats around their traction to data that you know their holders uh, so they've got about 34500 holders uh, which is about a 162% increase since september 2020 um but this growth has been plateauing since september 2021 so the the growth in the number of holders between september 20 and september 21 was 130% while the growth between september 21 and today has been only 14% um this i think rep- represents a little bit um of of two things the broader crypto market downturn um but also 
uh, you know, just that ocean's not been able to generate net sticky network effects till, till to date, um, right? Um, so the market caps, so the market caps around one hundred and eleven million dollars. Um, it's a drop. It's off eighty five percent from its peak in November twenty twenty one. Again, in line with market conditions, same stuff. Um, so this doesn't really reflect traction, but it's just you know, um, like it, it, a market cap is just a useful indicator of the of the token of and of speculative action, not really, you know, actual traction in the protocol itself. Um, the liquidity of the token is actually pretty high, so it's been listed on a number of exchanges, um, both cent both centralized exchanges and and dexes. So Binance, Kraken, Bittrex, Uniswap, Balancer, um, Gate.io, the you know quite a lot of different exchanges. Um, in terms of that traction, right? Actually, Ocean's done pretty well on that aspect. So the uh, they they're working with reputable companies across the board. Um, so firstly, they've they've worked with Certic to get three security audits done, which is actually a good sign. Um, they also work with companies like PwC, KPMG, Holland and I, GNR, GSR, and Mesari um, to to comply with regulations across the board, um, which just engenders trust because they've been compliant. They've been proactive in being you know achieving full compliance, which is good for um, you know which is good for consumers, um, right? And um, the use cases that they've actually implemented to date are pretty, you know, legit. They are, they've, they've worked, um, they've done projects with uh, entities like Connected Life, Next Billion, and the government of Singapore, um, right? And the stakeholders, different stakeholders in these projects include huge companies. So they're, they're like Microsoft, Unilever, Aviva, Roche, Johnson & Johnson. So that's big. That's pretty big. The, uh, the protocol is being used for something pretty, pretty useful, right? Um, so what are some of the use cases that they've done? So Connected Life, firstly, developed a data marketplace on Ocean Protocol that enabled anonymized, non-personal data to be shared freely for um, open for open research, right? So essentially what Connected Life did was um, it built a mobile app that transmitted um, INR results. So INR is, a, is the international normalized ratio. Um, it's a measurement of how long it takes for blood to, uh, to clot. Um, so it obtains this data from this home monitoring device system developed by Roche. Um, and uh, it, it what it does is, is let's say that I'm a, you know, I have to monitor my INR at home. Um, I am in control of that data now, right? What it does is, is um, it, uh, it, it, I am allowed, I send this data via Ocean Protocol to hospitals, but Ocean Protocol allows me to stay in control of my data as the patient. Um, right. So I can have full control over my data. I can securely transfer it. I can get, I get full provenance over how that data is being used in my home. Um, so it's my own, um, you know, data of like, you know, like my own body and how long it takes blood to clot. They'll probably like, you know, pick my body. Um, they'll like do a, do some blood test at home using this blood monitoring test. And then they'll upload it to a, to a server. Now the, uh, the, the server that's uploaded to could be my Google drive. I upload that data onto the ocean market or connected life market. And, um, and then hospitals that are the other data consumers who essentially are able to access this data um, to, you know, build out their models or, uh, you know, uh, or, 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 you know, just uh, assess that, uh, assess my, my blood, uh, my blood work essentially, right? So I think that's a pretty use, really good use case. Um, another one is Next Billion. Uh, so Next Billion is um, it's got access to large amounts of data about the cleanliness of public toilets in Thailand. 
So this data is used to train AI models to dispatch maintenance and uh, and cleaning personnel faster to clean toilets and uh, and you know like essentially avoid diseases and all of that. Um, so you know the next billion is working with Ocean Protocol to create a data sharing marketplace where this data can be shared for free for public research or it can be sold for market research purposes. So that's pretty useful. Um, and another one, the last one is the government of Singapore's um, Info Communications Media Development Authority. It's a mouthful, um, but it's aiming to create a trusted data framework alongside Ocean Protocol and PwC. So they're building a standard to essentially govern data sharing between jurisdictions, which is a really useful thing because standards for data sharing are very fragmented and, and unclear today. And if Ocean is able to power a, a standard for data sharing, that's huge, right? Um, so, um, and given that they're working with the government of Singapore, that's a, that's a pretty, um, that's a pretty good sign, um, as well of, of how reputable they are. Um, now the future roadmap, it seems like actually to me, it's, it's very, it's very ambitious and broad. Um, they're saying things like, oh, well, you're going to have data as an asset class for data, for DeFi, where data assets are securitized, used as collateral and stable coins and loans, the regular DeFi spiel. Um, or you can have composable data assets, so you can track, you know, the top 100 data assets in an index, like through a single token, um, like similar for data assets as to what DeFi Pulse indexes for the blue chip DeFi tokens, right? Um, now, this future roadmap is well and good, but honestly, they just need to perfect their main product before delving into this. Um, they need to perfect their core product. They need to attract users. They need to keep users, right? And that's what they should be focusing on. And now it's, I mean, like if the, the roadmap sounds amazing, but it is a bit of a pipe dream at this point. And um, if they're allocating even one resource towards building out this future roadmap at this point in time, then that's a danger sign. They need to stop doing that um, because they need to just get their core product, right? And uh, yeah, that's essentially, you know, what their, um, what their, you know, launch has been like, what the, traction's been like to date. Um, any comments from you guys around that before I go into the team? Um, no, not really. I mean, it's great that they're doing all these things with different, you know, big companies and also with the Singapore government, but I still don't think the core protocol, you know, is perfectly designed. So would, do you think something that's inherently flawed according to us can actually scale to let's say like a billion users no no definitely not right they need to i mean they definitely need to work on you know before they continue with the roadmap they need to think about the past and how they've got to where they are today and whether it actually makes the whole thing make sense because yeah do we, anyway, let's, seem, yeah do yeah we know? sorry go on do we know what the, um, you know, the companies you named, Unilever, Microsoft, Johnson Johnson, do we, do we know um, to what scope they are, you know, they are partnered with um, Ocean? Like, are they, are they providing data? Are they using the marketplace? Like, do we know? I mean, at least from in terms of Roche, like, I think, I think you will understand because that the, that INR device is manufactured by Roche. So they mm -hmm. must be working with Ocean to um, essentially grant consumers the access to their own data. Because what I'm assuming is that Roche would usually control that data, but um, it's not, you know, ethical for them to control patient data. So they might be working with Ocean Protocol for to um, essentially allow patients access to that data um, from their device, um, transmitted to like, you know, you know, a storage location of their choice, and then um, use Ocean Protocol to trans uh, and the connected life marketplace built on top of it to transmit it to hospitals. But with the other ones, I'm not really sure, but I would assume that it's 
in one of those capacities that you mentioned right okay, okay. yeah got it anyway. and uh, also one thing i'll at least point out that didn't make much sense to me is out of the roadmap it still does it's not clear as to where ocean tokens value is going to no no yeah it's not like i it's a big uh, yeah that's that's one of the biggest so things you would, that you would expect sorted. them to address it in the roadmap if it's not addressed right now but it doesn't seem to be addressed in the roadmap yeah which is a danger sign again because i don't know if they've realized this right um, but anyway like and, i think yeah sorry go on and i have another question with the you know the healthcare data we were talking about about the you know the blood clots so the you know the the providers of data are like let's say regular patients and they provide data to rosh and then rosh is the one creating a dap and no, then no, that no, dap no 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 so so they are not the ones providing data to rosh what they're doing is that they are obtaining their data from the rosh machine because you can okay. get you can like the rosh machine let's say that it's got like a needle oh, you right. put it in your arm it takes the blood uh, it sees how it calculates how long your blood is clotting in um and then that data from the machine is transmitted to a storage location it can be like you know um your google drive or whatever it can be you know file or whoever i don't i don't know how it's you know the data service yeah. and from that data service i am the like because i'm the patient i can transmit i have control over that data i publish it on ocean marketplace or on like the connected life marketplace or whatever it can be anonymized it can be private like it can you know through that computer data or whatever and then i it it's then transmitted to the hospital as a data consumer or like you know it can be transmitted for free for the hospital to essentially assess it depends on like how the model is of the connected life marketplace but the value add but the point of building the value added service is that you can have different types of marketplaces and different types of services with different um uh you know requirements built into them um that that allow for the data to be shared in a multitude of different ways okay got it that makes sense cool i'm just going to move on cuz i don't want to uh, i think that we yeah. should get through some of this stuff um so i think we can, I think we can skip like just the hard facts if it's not you know relevant to the any point yeah 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 i'll i'll just yeah i think i think um one of the things that i'll uh, go through is just very quickly around the team so it's founded yeah. co-founded by bruce pond who is a veteran in the blockchain space since 2013 they've created several blockchain um, applications all revolving around data um he was he's also you know he was also a founder at um this consulting company that aimed to build banks uh, for the unbanked worked at daimler for 5 years and accenture for 6 years um and uh, the second co-founder is this um, gentleman uh, trent mcconaughey um experience, extremely experienced within the ai space started his career by doing ai research for national defense in the 1990s um you know created a solido software that's used for most modern chip designs which is pretty um it's a big thing um he's also advised the german dutch estonian and other governments about the blockchain and ai strategies um they've got pretty legit advisors as well including ryan selkis who's the founder of mesari and uh, melton demiros who's the chief strategy officer at coinshares um so in um you know i think that uh, they've got a pretty good team behind them um just one or two things is that you know if you go on their team page on their website um the linkedin links are broken which is you know fine whatever it's not really a big thing um but and it also seems like some key team members are all related which i don't know it always just brings up a bit of a red flag in my head it might not really mean anything um and they might be very qualified for their jobs um so i don't really want to comment on that but like just wanted to point it out um you know because it is in my head at least by related you mean their family yeah um, okay 
yeah so i mean at least like the last name seem the same so you know okay. i i don't know i like i mean I, it's just the point that i like to look at as well it's um yeah um okay. and yeah but all in all it seems like the team is strong and experienced uh, you know bruce pon and and trent mcconaughey have done quite a lot of work um re- that's relevant in the past um and yeah i think that you know i don't think that the team at least is a matter of huge concern at least right um then i had a few thoughts from actually using this protocol um so initially it wasn't really hard for me to use it but that's also because i did a ton of research for this podcast and the article in order to be able to actually understand what ocean protocols about everyone's not going to be able to do that so it, they need to definitely simplify it right you don't want to go through a multitude of documents as a data publisher or consumer in order to be able to use the service so that's not really um you know it's i mean it it needs to be simplified now i have a key issue with the ux so there's a lack of standardization um the data tokens have consu- confusing names so they're all named differently for no apparent reason um they need to be standardized to reduce misunderstanding um also stating the price of the data token in m ocean terms is also unnecessary so i don't even know what m ocean really means um because why can't they just state it in ocean and actually has to the point that we said why can't they just state it in stables but that's a separate point yeah. and we've already discussed that um and yeah like um you know uh, a, a good feature is that when you click on the data set itself the price converts into the currency if you're choosing so i chose pounds it converted into that I thought that was a good thing, but also you'd have to click on the data, data set to be able to access that feature, and it should actually just be on the homepage. Um, so um, yeah, a lot of work needs to go into improving the UI UX of the protocol, and as we've discussed, it faces the same problems that most crypto protocols face, in that they're built by Web three native developers for Web three native consumers, and in order to get true adoption, the billion people adoption that was that everyone speaks about. all these nuances need to be ironed out and needs to be not, they, they need to not know that they're using a blockchain product essentially right um but yeah we've already discussed this now i'll go on to um another uh you know diagram that i did that kind of explains the value accrual of the token so we can go over that quickly um but essentially right um on the ocean network um the, the, the there are uh, there are a few different stakeholders so firstly um the ocean token is primarily used in the protocol as a means of value exchange as a mechanism to in- incentivize keepers on the network so keepers validate and verify services and store the history of transactions on the blockchain but that doesn't really make sense it's not like the role is not especially clear because if oceans built on ethereum then why are there specific validators of the network um and you know do they just provide um you know verification services for the quality of the data um so that needs to be ironed out not really show what the keepers are right um now the way that the value accrual of the token is is that if the ocean tools see increased usage so if people build more services essentially on top of the ocean uh, protocol network that means you get more network revenue that network revenue goes in two directions it goes towards 5% of it goes towards burning ocean tokens um which reduces the ocean to, uh, token supply which increases the value of the ocean token the second thing is that it go the network revenue is directed mostly towards ocean dao now ocean dao what it does is it gives um it it gives grants to workers so workers are people who build the value added services on top of the uh, ocean data assets now they build these ocean tools 
which increases the network revenue and then you get the same cycle over and over again um right so that's essentially the way that that um ocean is supposed to accrue value the the ocean token is supposed to accrue value and um and the network revenue is supposed to be generated um right so um yeah i'm going to stop sharing again i think we'll share this in the article as well um but yeah this is essentially how the ocean token generates uh value how it accrues value now the second thing like we alluded to earlier is that ocean is also introducing a v token port escrow token model in u3 2022 so this one was made popular as with a lot of things in defi by the curve was um and um in this model the users would lock up their ocean tokens for a predetermined period when it's uh, impossible to unlock their tokens and the tokens vest linearly over this period so in return for their liquidity proportional to their lock up period users receive v tokens so these v tokens give their special governance tokens so um the longer the lock up period the higher the governance power the v tokens have and this applies to their rewards as well they get higher boosts to their rewards the longer they lock up their tokens so v ocean holders will what they'll do is that they can vote for ocean dao grants in this new model um and they also gain value from community fees so 50% of transaction fees will go to v ocean holders and the rest will go to ocean dao grants and like 5% of it will go through the burning of the ocean token etc so to me right a v token model is it can be a risky proposition it's such a risky proposition in crypto when you don't know what's going to happen in a few months let alone a few years so locking up your liquidity for a few years is not very attractive proposition at least for a lot of people so that is that like inherently reduces the the set of people who are willing to you know govern your platform uh, right and that in my mind actually reduces the decentralization of the platform um so crypto winters you know we've seen it now we're going through i mean it's not really a, i don't know if it's a winter i don't want to comment on that but it's in a bear market um it it's been known to swallow the market caps of scores of non blue chip and many times even blue chip protocols right blue chip tokens so if users don't have the ability to exit and the future of the protocol is in question then their financial stake is at high risk and if they so therefore if they want to exist and cannot due to the lock up period there's a good chance that they become unmotivated and do not participate effectively in governance as well so it will have the opposite effect as to what was intended so i don't think that the v token model is correct for this at all and it just seems to me like a way in which they are trying to accrue value to that token um the same way that apecoin or someone uh, or, or you know other tokens are by essentially just trying to tell people oh you know just hold this token forever and don't ever sell it that's where it will accrue value um so it, it's just a whole game of like trying to like keep people uh, holding on to their tokens um but without any real benefit i mean i don't really get why the v token model is a good model for this this token uh, for ocean but yeah uh, you know that, that's what they've implemented recently um i'll go over the i'll go over the entire tokenomics and then we can discuss you know um discuss these things but um, you know token uh, in terms of the token release um they raised ocean protocol raised 27 million dollars over its initial seed and pre-launch uh, rounds um and um for the network launch it released 30 it exchanged 32 million tokens um with you know early investors um seed and pre-launch investors at a price of 22 um euro cents i don't even know euro cents um for for token um and released 197. Uh, 191.7 million tokens in 
uh, total. So that was only 13.6% of the supply cap of um, 1.41 billion tokens, right? So significant proportion of tokens will be released at, as network rewards. So that's 51% of tokens are going to be released as network rewards. So it shows that it, it you know, um, it, it's, and this network reward is intended to be program, programmatically released over 20 years. So because um, of these network rewards occupying such an important space, um, the, uh, you know, um, it, it's clear that the token is inflationary. Um, but given that they are trying to burn 5% of all network rewards and any remaining funding from Ocean Dow grants is also to be burned. So if there's any funding in a certain grant round that hasn't been used up, it gets burned. Um, so they're trying to control inflation to a certain level. But it's very clear that it's a pretty inflationary token that just depends on network rewards to incentivize users. Um, <clears throat> so uh, token inflation... Um, in terms of token inflation, the first year saw 104% of inflation, which makes sense because, you know, people are just receiving their allotments and the tokens are getting released. Um, in 2022 to, uh, 2020 to 2022, saw inflation ranging between 17 to 21%. Um, so the founding team got their remaining allocation and the network rewards started to be dispersed. Um, so inflation is um, intended to be reduced to 6.8% in 2024 and 5.9% in 2025. And then sequentially onwards, right? Um, and the network reward is meant to be the only form of inflation um, after a certain point in time. Um, so the initial high token inflation in the first few years aims to bootstrap usage of the protocol, right? Uh, but if incentives decrease and there isn't a high amount of usage on the platform by 2025 and the you know inflation decreases to a, like materially, um, Though it'll have to find another way to get past this cold start problem of actually bootstrapping usage on this platform. And that idea is to me, at least just to simplify it and make it just all about stable coins and like ease of use. Um, right. But yeah, that's, um, they're going to have to get past this problem of, you know, network of user stickiness. Now, um, in terms of the distribution and vesting schedule, the initial supply was set at uh, 690.9 million. So there was a supply cap of 1.41 1, billion. Um, and the tokens are intended to be distributed um, in the following manner. So 5% uh, for the Ocean Protocol Foundation to build the community and ecosystem. So essentially to Ocean DAO. 20% uh, for the team and founders. 24% for um, acquirers who are supporting uh, development and token liquidity. So acquirers um, would essentially be, you know, the early contributors and, um, and investors and all of that. Um, and 51% for ocean rewards, right? Like I mentioned earlier. So the vesting periods are actually pretty good. Um, the founders have a vesting period of five years from the project start. Um, and uh, seed contributors were locked in for two and a half years. Uh, and pre-launch contributors were locked in for one and a half years. So for the seed contributors, it was um, one year linear vesting after network launch in Q1 2019. And for pre-launch contributors, it was six month linear vesting after network launch. So that means all of their tokens have already been released onto the market. Um, and the only tokens that are meant to be still released onto the market are the founder tokens, which should happen in Q1 2024. Um, now, Ocean Dow's initial treasury was also funded from 51% of the unminted token, uh, Ocean, um, but uh, some of which it converted into ETH, DAI, and other tokens by selling Ocean bonds. 
and the treasury is meant to accrue value from network rewards and active treasury management um so the and the funds from the treasury are spent on network rewards and grants now in terms of the treasury allocation this is not very clear so documentation says that the treasury is allocated from the 51% of unminted token uh, ocean but it's not very clear why because they get like 5% of the initial rewards is you know of the initial allocation as well um and it's not clear how much eth dai or other tokens they raised by selling you know um ocean bonds um so yeah it's not really clear you know how much the treasury has um and you know comparing it uh to the optimal token distribution um where where uh, you know so in the optimal token distribution um according to you know um scooper turley and lawrence stefani and we've alluded to this earlier um the team and investors get 17.5% each the treasury gets 50% airdrops account for 5% and ecosystem incentives are 10% so for ocean it's it's immediately apparent that ecosystem incentives are disproportionately high so it shows that the project relies significantly on token inflation especially in the early stages uh but ocean has released only 13.6% of its token tokens at network launch right so this does leave them a lot of room for network rewards to be distributed over the coming years without you know going past that token um supply cap um but that's essentially how uh, the to- ocean tokenomics works um right so i think i'll just stop here and then we can discuss um you know the tokenomics uh, for a little bit uh yeah it seems like the token distribution and you know the supply schedule it's decent but it's decent it's a decent schedule for like a completely shit coin right like yeah i mean i feel bad for the amount of effort in a way that they've put into this whole release schedule and it's like the actual ocean token doesn't really have any use real use case right that yeah. you know eth or dai couldn't do so yeah i mean exactly. it just seems like it's like a way for them to you know bootstrap liquidity in like the old liquidity mining kind of way which you know so many ponzi protocols also did so i mean it does doesn't make sense to me yeah serial mute i have a question so what if um and i'm trying to think of ways to add use cases to the ocean ocean token what if you need to lock up ocean um for a duration which is you know uh, which we can see whatever works best if this concept and works but what if you need to lock up ocean to own the right to buy a data set so and the and the intent behind it's complicated it, the intent behind it is to see to say that as long as there's demand for the data set there will be ocean token locked up hence you know uh, uh, of, of course it's it's a forceful utility of uh, the token but it still accrues it, it ends up accruing some sort of value over what's happening right now i don't think that makes sense because you're just going to create ui ui ux problems for consumers i mean yeah. you're just going to make it more difficult for them to buy data sets why like why, what is the, like let's just i mean stop like in the sense that like yeah I, i know what you're trying to do and like it's a good thing where you're trying to actually drive use cases for this uh, for like value to this token but it doesn't make sense because you're just creating by adding value to the token you're adding friction to the process and then you're like diluting from the main goal which is a liquid data economy it yeah. doesn't work yeah yeah but i, I mean, think I actually think, yeah yeah everything in crypto is being defied in a way i mean it i think different crypto sectors and crypt that use crypto should 
have their own specific kind of models you know if you use defi models for things outside of defi doesn't mostly it just doesn't make any sense yeah exactly like i yeah anyway i think that we've actually gone through the tokenomic aspect of this pretty also comprehensively one, earlier as well one, one more question not on the tokenomics really but on how investors could own value in this in, in such a project i wouldn't know better way just be investing in equity For, for yeah, I mean that, that's what yeah. I think so as well. Like you could just invest in equity and get returns the 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 regular way. I mean, like honestly, like I, at some point we have to realize that the earlier way of doing things is not all wrong. Like investing in equity is not a wrong thing, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, like you know, you want the DAO to have like all this governance stuff and you know voting for the for the token, voting for it and all. Like I mean, sure. um in terms of the grants i think and that you know the ocean token voting for the grants like fair enough um but i'm sure that there could be another way of doing that um right i mean like not gone too much into the uh, not not thought about it in, in too much depth but i'm sure that if we sat down um and you know with our heads together we could figure out a way of you know getting these uh, dao members to vote on grant to vote on grant allocation in a different manner as to using ocean tokens but yeah anyway um i i just i'm conscious of time so like i just want to um uh you know we've discussed the tokenomics um, in quite a lot of depth so i think let, let me just go over the gov- uh, the governance aspect of it and just the performance of the token um over the last uh, few months uh, very quickly and then um you know just we can just go through some suggestions and final final thoughts um but essentially in terms of governance ocean protocol supported by ocean dao um so what ocean dao the the main goal of it is to direct uh, resources towards funding grants um that create these value added services on top of the ocean protocol um their governance model is not very well thought out um it's just a one token one vote model uh, where ocean holders vote on snapshot for the most promising projects to fund from the grants and treasury um if there aren't enough value added projects available to fund then the remaining ocean from the funds what get burned gets burned um a flaw is that um you know one wallet address can only vote on one proposal meaning that if an ocean holder wants to vote on multiple proposals they need to fund multiple wallet addresses which really i mean it's an obvious ui ux design flaw um and it may disincentivize disincentivize voting on proposals so accurate voting on proposals so you know that doesn't really make sense to me why can't they just use one wallet and allocate allocate their ocean to how many other grants that they want to that's just like the most obvious thing that can be done right but yeah that doesn't make sense to me the one token one vote model also has several flaws um because the ocean tokens are transferable votes can be bought by whales who can then take control of the voting for the grants um it can also limit scalability since high community participation is required to pass proposals a lot of energy and time and energy is spent on campaigning for the proposals and it also becomes extremely time consuming for the average community hold uh, members to vote on every proposal to meet quorum so it just like doesn't ske- seem really scalable and um in terms of the v token model where you know um where, where you know holders of v tokens vote on um the grants it may also bias voting towards whales who can afford to lock up liquidity for years on end right so the governance model is really not been thought out through well um it's not very well developed it seems rudimentary and definitely um uh, these are areas for improvement um in terms of performance right so i mean 
broader market outturn the prices dropped by 83% since the high in november 2021 but the most concerning thing for me and the the pointer that the protocol actually needs to revamp the way that it's doing things in 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 a number of ways is that the weekly active users have also decreased in terms of uh, you know old and new users using the protocol as well um so you know there's a since um you know highs i think it it looks like it was in the in early 2021 when new users joined the protocol the number of new users joining has actually like looked to it seems like it's plateaued which is very concerning right um because the usage of data sets and ai models really shouldn't depend on market conditions right um and therefore using the ocean token for payment and all over the ocean ecosystem may actually be detrimental compared to using stable coins for payment and transaction as we've been talking about all all, all of this episode um and the yeah it, it the reduction in weekly active users just suggests that uh, user if a user stickiness or network effects have not been achieved to any sort of level yet right so that's a pretty um so that's a pretty you know negative a uh, negative sign for me um and another uh, yeah so that i think that that's essentially around the performance and um, just you know before we go on to closing thoughts and just discuss the governance and the performance um just wanted to highlight some gaps in our analysis because um, we've tried to gather as much data as possible to ensure you know complete holistic analysis there are a few gaps um so we haven't been able to source any metrics from token terminal since ocean protocol is not on token terminal um uh, so you know we haven't been able to get the protocol revenue and token incentives distributed which are to, which would been immensely helpful in comprehensively understanding the success of their token incentive program to date and understanding you know um its stickiness as a protocol but that's why we use the weekly active users metric as a proxy for this um secondly we haven't been able to find the total amount staked and any changes in this number so that would also indicate you know the performance um and traction um and the composition of his treasury is not readily available which is a uh, which is a bit annoying because it would be useful to understand uh, the effectiveness of their treasury management and in terms of transparency as to how many ocean bonds they've sold how much eth and dai they've made um you know um understanding how their treasury actually looks like at this point um so that would have been pretty useful um but yeah like you know i think that that's essentially it for me i think i'm just going to go through some suggestions and closing thoughts but let's first if you guys have any questions about what we've discussed after the tokenomics mm no not really i think you know i think we can just start with the closing thoughts and i'm going to just you know start with the first one so first i guess the ui and ux really needs to improve um it needs to you know it needs to be easy for people to just go and buy and sell data and it shouldn't be unnecessarily you know complicated in the typical crypto way that it is because it doesn't need to be right it's not a defi application where you need to do you know lots of staking on staking and you know different uh you know transferring money from one ecosystem to another it's it should be very straightforward to just go and get your data and you know get out with it it shouldn't be this long process so they need to really cut down on that um and then secondly i guess the emm model also doesn't make that much sense it should just be you know a standard kind of fixed rate and you can sell and buy data for that fixed rate no matter what no matter what the market conditions are no matter how liquid it is right because it shouldn't be that you need to time when you when you need to buy your data or something stupid like that it should be 
accessible equally accessible at all points of time and then lastly i guess the tokenomics themselves don't make any sense because the ocean token as we discussed earlier has no real use case other than the fact that you can use it to buy your data along with other things which is i mean that makes no sense yeah so i think that you touched upon basically all the points that i wanted to touch upon for my closing thoughts oh, great. so i think okay. that's no Sorry. but like i i mean that no no not i mean that's just good uh, analysis yeah. uh, from you as you, you as well i guess but yeah i mean honestly my closing point is essentially that i think that the idea is absolutely fantastic um i think that is something that needs to be implemented i just think that the execution hasn't been there and it's it's too cryptified and like you said we just need to pare down to the very basics of creating a liquid data economy and just start from scratch there right like not even start from scratch like the basic the 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 core the core principles of this are there like the idea to like create you know value added services on top of data assets that represent copyright and access and and fine grained access permissions is a fantastic you know skeleton on which to create it's not even skeleton it's like the it's literally like the core right um so i think that the core idea the core purpose of the protocol and the way that um it can be constructed is great i think that there just needs to be uh, a tendency towards simplicity that needs to be implemented but overall i think the idea is great right um but yeah that's that's my final word in this or what if i agree what if you need um ocean uh you know lock up ocean to be able to build third party value added services dude yeah that? i think at this point which is reaching though right yeah like sure you need to lock up that but why like why why can't you just make it as easy as possible for them to just build it yeah like why let's I just get back to that. first principles like why why do we need to do these things just to accrue value to a yeah. token i think all tokens I, don't need to exist right no i think i think you know ocean as 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 a whole if you zoom out is part of that whole the next suite of protocols which are providing real life utility which is amazing mm-hmm. you know like yeah orchid hive mapper all those guys um which is which is like almost it was pretty much at the cutting edge of this space um but with being at the cutting edge is you have to figure out these problems like do you really need to tokenize everything right and i think yeah i think that's what the main, the main crux of the the flaw with this being a valid investment uh would be uh, yeah i wouldn't yeah. i mean yeah like i've been not providing investment advice or anything here i mean you guys decide among by yourselves whether you want to invest in these things but but i think it's you know, pretty obvious where three of us stand on this yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah exactly so, um yeah. but yeah no i think that that's it then um and we've you know gone for pretty long gone on for pretty long today but i think it's been a pretty comprehensive analysis so thanks guys yeah. really good questions as well um and it's been a it's been a lot of fun to like analyze this protocol and um and and actually find out a lot about a very very innovative idea um so it's yeah. been a lot of fun and thanks thanks for joining us um and see you guys next time cheers see you guys bye bye, bye.